This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. The conflict in Ukraine continues. Ukrainian forces have taken back territory in a counteroffensive over the last few weeks. However, Russian President Vladimir Putin has partially mobilized 300,000 reservists to join the war effort. Putin has once again made mention of the use of nuclear weapons. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says Russia's decision to mobilize reservists shows Moscow is not serious about negotiating an end to the war. Zelensky says Russia must be sanctioned for its invasion of Ukraine. A crime has been committed against Ukraine and we demand just punishment. The crime was committed against our state borders. The crime was committed against the lives of our people. The crime was committed against the dignity of our women and men. European Union foreign policy chief Joseph Burrell is promising new sanctions against Russia after the escalation. It's located uh, a few hundred oh, miles oh, to the southwest. I, I posted. I posted the wrong clip there. I'm sorry. That was about the national hurricane. I do have another clip here, and hopefully, I posted this one correctly. Of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau condemning Russia's escalation of the war. His partial military mobilization, his nuclear threats, as well as Russia's rushed referendums to try to annex parts of Ukraine are unacceptable. Putin's behavior only goes to show that his invasion is failing. For perspective on this developing story, let's hear from Marta Dychuk, Professor of History and Political Science at Western University in London. Professor Dychuk, thank you so much for making time to be with us today. We're grateful. Thanks for having me. I wonder if we can start with the counteroffensive that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Can you describe the scale and significance of Ukrainian forces retaking territory? Absolutely. This is the second time Ukraine has pushed Russia back. The first time was back in, uh, in the spring when they pushed Russian forces back from the Kyiv area. And in late summer... September, they pushed them back from the Kharkiv area, which had been occupied by Russia since the beginning of the war. This was a massive victory for Ukraine, um, and it was very quick. So this is the second time that Russian forces have been pushed back. So the result of all of this is that Russia really has very little to show for its massive seven-month offensive in this genocidal war against Ukraine. What's the takeaway from the partial mobilization of reservists this week by Russian President Vladimir Putin? Well, that's an indication that the effort is failing. Putin had planned that this would be a three-day war and he would be uh, controlling Ukraine very quickly. That clearly did not happen. And their initial advances have been pushed back. And now he's looking for more manpower to, to keep the war going. The interesting thing is that people in Russia have been relatively quiet about all of this until the mobilization was announced. And what we saw almost immediately were protests, protests against the war, but the protester people don't want to go fight. They have not been protesting against the war when Ukrainians have been killed, bombed, tortured, raped, 
uh, there's been very little protest. But now that this massive mobilization has been announced, people are saying, oh, I don't know if I want to participate in this. So we're going to have to wait and see how strong these protests will be. But this is a very clear indication of public opinion in Russia saying, we don't want to be killing Ukrainians. Or rather, we don't want to be dying in Ukraine. If, if we scratch a little bit deeper that protest in regards to calling up reservists and certainly the understanding of people not necessarily wanting to have to go to war, why does that decision become such a, a, a polarizing one within the country? Why is that the one that encourages people to potentially take to the streets and start pushing back on this war of aggression? Well, because they see that they're losing, right? If they were winning, that would be a different story. But Russia has very, as I said, has very little to show in terms of success. The casualty rates are very, very high. And the motivation to go and kill Ukrainians is not particularly high. Uh, everybody's like, raw, raw Russia, yes, let's restore our great power status. But Ukraine has shown effectively that it is defending itself and it is pushing back. And furthermore, the international community has been supporting Ukraine. So part of the success of the offensive, excuse me, in Kharkiv is as a result of the fact that Ukraine has finally started receiving weapons. Because if we look at the big picture, this is a David and Goliath story. Russia is a huge country and Ukraine is, is a smallish, it's a medium-sized country. So Russia's ability, it, it's like if the US invaded Canada, it's a big country versus a small country and Ukraine simply didn't have the firepower to defend themselves. Once they started receiving weapons from the United States, from Canada, from European countries, they now have the capacity to, to defend themselves. So that was a big game changer. And what Ukraine has been asking for consistently, Ukraine's president, foreign minister, prime minister have been repeatedly saying, please help us. And finally, that aid is coming through. What's important now is that that continues to come because a lot of the weapons that they've received, they've already used up all the pawns. Mm. So they need new firepower to continue defending themselves and pushing Russia back. Certainly the prospect of nuclear weapons, whether they be tactile or more general, uh, tactical or general, have, have hung over this conflict even mm -hmm. before it started, even before the invasion. We've certainly heard President Putin saber rattle about nuclear weapons before, but how real, I know we're entering the, the, the realm of speculation here, but how realistic are those concerns? That is very, that's an excellent question because on the one hand, Putin is a leader. On the other hand, his, his rationality is something that we should all be questioning. Now, threatening to use nuclear weapons and actually using them are two very different things. And the big reason why nobody is actually going in and helping Ukraine apart from sending troops and training is because of the nuclear issue. There's a fear of escalation that if the United States, if West European countries, if NATO gets involved, that could escalate into nuclear war. Now that said, uh, there's something called MAD, Mutual Assured Destruction, which has prevented nuclear war all of these years, and that continues to be in place. What that means is if one country starts using nuclear weapons, that escalates and that risks blowing up the entire planet, which is why countries that have nuclear weapons don't use them. 
Now, the other nuclear dimension here, which is important, is the fact that Russia has occupied certain territories in the Zaporizhia Oblast, which is in central Ukraine, and they have taken control over nuclear power stations. And that is, in my opinion, a more serious danger because the risk of a nuclear accident, I think, is higher than the actual use of nuclear weapons. Mm. I know that we're staying in the realm of speculation here, and certainly there's there's no necessarily knowing where this war goes from here. But where do you imagine this playing out over the course of the next five, six, seven, eight, nine months, even even up to a year? Will we continue to see a, a, a counteroffensive? Will we see the entrenchment of, of of Russian forces in parts of the country, or is there potentially going to be enough domestic pressure in Russia to to begin to really whittle down this war effort? Those are all excellent questions. What we're in now is a war of attrition. Russia has a large population and they can continue sending troops into Ukraine and bombs and tanks. However, their capacity militarily is somewhat limited and they have been losing a lot of their equipment in this war against Ukraine. That said, they still could continue for quite a long time. And here the question is, how much support Ukraine will be receiving from its allies in order to push back and how quickly that will happen. Ukrainian forces have, I think, impressed the world with their their bravery, their strength, their their stealth, uh, how quickly they're learning, how determined they are to protect their territory, their democracy and democracy in general. But it, as I said, it's a David and Goliath story. There are more Russians than there are Ukrainians. The other thing to remember is Russia is a federation and there are about a hundred different nationalities living within Russia. And a lot of the troops that are being mobilized, that are now going to be uh, mobilized, they're being mobilized from the non-Russian republics. And that is something to keep in mind as well, that it's not the kids of the wealthy people in Moscow and St. Petersburg that are being sent to be killed in Ukraine. It are people from Buryatia and uh, various other non-Russian republics. And that's going to be a domestic issue within Russia as well. So that's something to watch. Professor Dichuk, I know this story has so many tentacles to it. Thank you for walking us through a few of these complexities. And we really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. That's Professor Marta Dichuk, a professor of history and political science at Western University in London, Ontario. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping on Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.